Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host, and it's January 23rd, 2014. As you may have noticed, we are smack dab in the middle of pool season right about now. We've got the Derby City is getting underway here uh, momentarily. It's one of the biggest events of the year as far as uh, participation is concerned. Uh, you don't necessarily need to be a quote-unquote professional to get in on the action. You can walk in the door and uh, get some. It's uh, also a good time of the year to look for streaming events and video online. There's been a whole lot of activity to choose from, and believe me when I say that this is a good thing. It's much better than having to look for the scarce events to show up on our uh, major television networks and what have you. But then it brings forth the question, is the market for online video pool streaming, on-demand events? Is it getting a little saturated? Is there too many to choose from? Is that even possible to have too much pool available for you to watch? Uh, Some would probably say no. Um, I'm one of those people that would probably say no. Um, However, there is only so many hours in the day and there's only so many people that can uh, only watch so much. So uh, the question has been brought up, you know, it, like I said, is, is, is there such a thing as oversaturation? Uh, video, pool products, too many of them. Well, it's, it's a contradictory thought when you think about it because uh, here on the one hand, uh, people have been talking about the pool industry suffering and... and uh, pool halls closing down and the lack of professional events and stuff but uh, on the other hand you've got videographers and streaming people uh, and companies and websites that are having a hard time gaining their decent numbers to watch their events and whatnot you know how can you put your finger on it how can you say that this is bad or good or, or what have you whenever we were just complaining that there was not enough coverage literally just a few months or even just a few years ago um, this was simply not the case so I spoke to uh, a couple of people uh, in the business about this and uh, they you know they gave me mixed answers it's uh, not clear cut but I will tell you this Um, how does one event become better or more important than another why would you choose to watch one and not the other well it's some cases it's simple economics if one's free and one's not or if one costs more or one costs less then you've got some basic parameters to go by but then how do you choose between say an oro or an Efren, or a Shane, or a Mike, or Scott, or Corey. I mean, who do you say, how do you quantify this player is more popular than another player when everybody seems to have their own favorites? And the 
bottom line is, um, you know, obviously there's personal tastes, personal preferences involved. But then it goes one level deeper. And this is my uh, brain challenge for all of you out there for the week. And this applies to everybody, not just uh, the fans, but to the, the people providing this, these streams and video and to the people that are uh, actually taping and uh, doing the legwork coming up to build the matches to begin with. Here lies one of the, the, the core uh, problems with any pool related presentation at all or any kind of sport or game for that matter and that is why do you want to see it why do you even care that it's being shown at all why do you care why do i care why do i why what does anybody care well you know you got your purists that say oh well i love the game i, I want to see pool no matter what it is no matter who it is bring it on but this is true, you know, it's always, some pool is better than no pool. This is very true. However, in sports in general, and in certain games in general, there's one core asset that makes these things popular amongst the viewers, and that is that certain groups of viewers will attach themselves to certain players or certain teams for some reason, it will mean something to them whether or not this particular player wins or loses or this particular team means or loses or wins or loses. So how do you create the interest in a particular match or in a particular player or in a particular team, that's the case may be, that will make your audience or a particular person want to watch this or want to not watch this as the case may be what's going to make them root for someone or uh, not root for someone as the case may be and what it comes down to is a connection there has to be some kind of a connection between the viewer and the player or the viewer and the team you either want to see that person win or you want to see that person lose for whatever reason there needs to be a connection otherwise as i asked before what does it matter if you stream these events what it, does it matter if every single game that's ever played on the planet is available on video who cares what's going to make them care is the connection in the case of the team sports, you say, hey, that's my home team. That's my city. That's my school. That's my college. And you've got a connection. That's the reason why you care. But with individual player sports, it has to be, there needs to be exposure to the players and to the elements of the game to the point where you care whether or not that person wins. Sometimes it's as simple as how much money's involved. If it's a million dollar match, 10,000, 60,000, whatever the case may be, that can make some people care because they know there's a lot of money on the line. But what really brings in, what draws people in is when they feel a personal connection, when they understand what the player is about 
and it doesn't even, like I said, doesn't even have to be that you like the player. There might be something about that player that you hate, that you can't stand. Then you want to watch it because you want to see that person lose. You want to see them get beat. You want to see them go down. Or maybe there's a player that you understand. He's like you. Or there's just something that you like about him, whether it be you respect him because he's first class or you like the way that he uh, handles the cue better than somebody else. Maybe you like the fact that he likes dogs over cats. Maybe you like it because he's a Pepsi guy over a Coca-Cola guy. People are fickle. It doesn't even matter. In a lot of cases, what makes someone drive across the street from McDonald's to Burger King? Sometimes it's as simple as the fact that somebody has a 99 cents cheeseburger versus a dollar five cheeseburger. Hey, guess what? I get to save a nickel. They just need a reason some reason to get behind to connect to something about that player whether it be love or hate there needs to be the emotion involved so that the match that they're playing that the game that they're playing means something to them you can watch pool all day so joe schmo versus joe blow but what matters more to you the schmo or the blow you know there's gonna be some reason to get behind him or to hate him. So when it comes down to professional pool and professional matches in this country, the promoters and the videographers and the streamers and the producers need to bring forth the personal element out of this. Help us to understand who these people are so that we can root for them or we can root against him. And that's what's going to get you the viewers, the viewership, where I choose this match over that match because I get to see my favorite guy win or I get to see the guy I hate the most get his butt beat. There needs to be some emotions involved, some personal connection involved. It's not as simple as simply producing a match. It's not as as simple as putting two great players in a room together. That's just not going to cut it. As you can see, even the best players in the world are not going to get viewership unless people understand something about them or understand something about the importance of that match. So here's my message to you out there. As viewers, as fans of the game, get to know somebody. Write them an email. Call them on the phone. Find out why it is. Ask yourself, why do you care? As a promoter, as a videographer, as a streamer, make that information available to us. Do interviews with the players. Talk to them and let us understand them and more about them. Because if we don't, like I said, it's just going to be two people playing pool in a room. And that's never going to draw the emotion and the interest that you're looking for. So that's my message of the week, people. Get behind your fans, or excuse me, fans, get behind your players. And to the people producing the matches and and the, the events out there, help us to understand why this means something to somebody. Then you will have exciting pool.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to AZ Billiards on American Billiard Radio. Sorry I wasn't a part of the show last week. I was dealing with some health issues, but feeling much better now. I'm joined this week by a special guest all the way from Manitoba, Canada, Larry Shaborak from Bonus Ball. Hey, Larry, how you doing? I'm quite good, thank you very much, uh, Mike, and um, thanks for having me on the show. How are things up in Canada today? Cold. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not too bad, actually. Our weather has been uh, pretty pleasant in the last week or two, but we've had some really cold weather up here. Time to get back to Vegas. Yeah, you said the other day you were missing the heat we had here in Arizona. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I was up uh, in Arizona last weekend, the weather was great. It was nice to have some warm weather for a while. That was a fun event here in Arizona. Um, what was the, or who originally came up with the idea for that amateur event that we had last week? Well, the plan with bonus ball all along, Mike, has always been to uh, get the amateur players out there playing the game as well. And uh, for those who uh, who have seen the game um, and don't realize that there are two levels to this game, there's the amateur version and then there's the professional version. So when I first started developing the game, that was always a focus of mine to make sure that one day we have to have a version of the game for the, for the uh, let's say, average uh, novice um, billiard enthusiast out there that loves to play billiards. We have to have some level for them to play. And then, of course, we have to have a level for the professionals. So it's always been in our plans. And then, um, of course, uh, we, we met uh, with Mike um, um, not that long ago from uh, Mike Bates uh, from Bullshooters there, and um, they wanted to put on an amateur event, and we explained how the amateur version of the game works, and we decided to put one on, and uh, I was really happy with it. We, ha- we had a lot of fun, and, uh, and our plan, of course, from now is going to be we're going to put on a lot more in a lot more cities uh, and, uh, and show everyone how this game is played at the amateur level as, level as well as the pro level. You know, on the subject of the amateur game, um, logically, it would only make sense that you would have to find a way to promote the game to the amateurs. And when the game first came out and there was the electronic scoreboard and and there was talk that, well, at the amateur level, when you're shooting, I can keep score, and when I'm shooting, you can keep score. And, And my thought at that time was amateur players don't want to keep score while their opponent is shooting. Now, the idea that you guys used for the coin and the half diamonds, that was ingenious. That that blew me away. Yeah, that's a, a, a way to keep score just by using simply using two coins and slide them under the rail uh, and use your diamonds as your, your marks. And it works really, really well. And um, and uh, we are coming out with uh, with the electronic uh, scoring devices for the billiard rooms as well. But this is a, a good way for amateurs to, to get into playing the game. Not only amateurs, even the pros now are playing like that too when they go places. They use the coin system. And it's just a matter of all you need is two coins and slide them around and it works. <laughs> Keeps your score for you. To fill in our listeners who are thinking, gee, Mike, using coins on under the diamonds, wow, that is a new idea. That doesn't fully explain the system that's used. It, the system actually serves two purposes. One, it keeps score, and two, it keeps you knowing which ball you're on, because if it's on a half diamond, you're on... How exactly does that work? 
Well, when your coin is actually on the diamond, you're on purple. Okay. If you slide your coin in between the two diamonds, you're on orange. So, for example, if you make your purple ball, you're on purple. You make your purple. You just slide your coin in between the diamonds. Now you're on orange. And if you miss that ball, for example, and have to come back later and play your orange, well, just by looking at the table, you know what ball you're on because the coin's in between the two diamonds. That indicates orange. Right. I do know there was still some confusion last week at the amateur event. I did see one player shoot a, a, an incorrect ball at one time in the finals of the ladies' event. Uh, you know, and, and that, I think, probably just going to take some time. But all in all, I heard a lot of positive things at the amateur event. Yeah, there sure was, and we're continuing to hear them now even. Uh, we're getting lots of emails and different different comments from that event and how much they really enjoyed it. And some of them might have been a little skeptical at first uh, until they played it, and then after 10 minutes of playing the game, they realized that this is not a complicated game. Uh, it's a simple game of following the sequence, and um, and if you have a way of scoring, it uh, it helps, of course, and... Um, and it's not uh, too complicated at all. And I think a lot of the players shortly after playing it really enjoyed it, had a lot of fun with it, and now realize it's not a complicated game. It's pretty simple. <laughs> now, you guys have the playoffs coming up. When do the playoffs start? Well, the WPBL uh, professional playoffs start on uh, February the 5th, and they run from the 5th to the 15th. And there's all 12 teams are in the playoffs, and... Um, the season finished off, uh, well, we'll be finishing off online. The last matches are being showed, I think, until the 25th. After the 25th, all the matches will have been showed online, and right now there will be a total of uh, of 54 matches recorded online. That They're there. Anyone can flick, click to WPBLTV.com and watch any of the matches they want. And then, of course, the playoffs will start on February the 5th, and the standings are there now for which teams finished in first place and last place, and all 12 teams make the playoffs. And they've been seeded according to their, their, uh, the way they finished off the regular season, uh, Mike. Now, were there any changes in, in members of different teams? Um, you mean the players? Uh, right. No, at this particular time, the, the players, uh, the teams are identical to the, what they were all season. Okay. Um, now, I know when when Bonus Ball first kicked off, um, there were some, some huge numbers um, planned for prize money for the playoffs, and I understand that's changed a little bit. What's the prize money for the, for the finals now? Well, we put in $120,000 for the, for the prize fund for the players for the playoffs, and... Uh, it goes. There's thirty thousand dollars for the winning team, and it breaks down from there down. So the, all twelve teams will make will make some money, and uh, the top prize, of course, is thirty thousand for the for the finishing team that finishes in first place. So after the playoffs are over, and and after Phoenix has won it all, um, what are your plans for season two? Well, we're moving on to season two. We've got to pick our dates um, and decide just how we're going to do that this season um, in the scheduling, um, whether we're going to run um, again at the, having the teams come out for three or four weeks, play as many matches as we can, then we'll start showing those matches. Um, uh, we may do that. Um, 
It's it's not. I'm not too sure yet, Mike. To be honest with you, we have we have some plans to to review everything once these playoffs are done. Uh, we'll review the entire season, and uh, and all obviously look for the best way to run this so that we don't have conflicts with with other tournaments that are out there, and uh, and um, hopefully um, be able to do that um, once we know. Um, that our season's over and here's our teams and now we got to set for schedule for next year and we'll review uh, what events are out there and how we can do this together. I'm glad you mentioned the scheduling and and the other events because that was that was something that you guys took a lot of heat for in season one. Um, you're saying that it is a priority for you guys when you are putting together season two to make sure that you don't or, the, or that you do, in fact, schedule around existing events? Um, yes, uh, it's always been a priority. Even this year, this past year, Mike, we took a lot of heat for it, but we gave, we gave a lot of the players the options to review which tournaments are out there and which ones they want to go to and, and give us, uh, give us um, the dates and times, uh, and they did that, and anyone that... Uh, created any kind of conflict uh, we worked around it uh, and then there was a few that we couldn't we couldn't work around unfortunately this this one season uh, but our intentions were never to 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 have any conflicts at all if we could avoid them and, um, and you know but ours was not you know we're, we're playing a lot of we play a lot we play we played 54 matches this year not not one tournament we were we were down to Vegas lots of times to put on a lot of matches. So it was very hard for us to schedule um, trying to work around everybody. So, But most of the ones that we did this year, Mike, I'll give you an example. Uh, the When we did the Ultimate Ten Ball this year, the Ultimate Ten Ball was on. We gave we gave all our players the option to, uh, to work around that. Most of the players wanted to attend it. So we didn't play that week. We, we took off and we let all the players all went to the, uh, went to the event. And then there was a few other ones where some of the players chose on their own not to go. And uh, we were playing anyway. They could have used their alternates, but they chose to, to stay in place. So, so we really tried our, our best even this past year to, to do our best to, to work around all the schedules. But next year, is a, it's a new year. We'll be able to uh, take a look at the schedule, everybody's schedule this year, and uh, see how we can work around all of them and uh, make sure we do that. I mean, it's, I want billiards to succeed, all billiards to succeed. We're a supporter of nine ball, ten ball, whatever games are out there. I support the players and wish them the best of luck when they go to the tournaments. And I'm not against any of it. Bonus ball is just another game and another opportunity for players that's been presented to them. And, and they like it and they enjoy playing it and they, they enjoy the structure we're setting up. And uh, we enjoy doing it for them. So at this particular moment, um, our focus is just that. We're going to put together what is, uh, what is the best for the players and, and, uh, and then uh, what is best for billiards in general to, to work around whatever we can work around. It's refreshing to hear the, the idea of working with the other games out there. I know you guys possibly unfairly uh, took some heat during season one when some of the players took to social media and what started as 
positive, you know, pro bonus ball uh, posts out there quickly became uh, opportunities to bash other promoters who have been part of the game for a while. And, and certainly I, I don't for a moment think that you had prompted the players to do that, but it's good to hear from you that you're not trying to combat these other promoters, that you are in fact just trying to provide another opportunity for the players to play. Absolutely. That's, that was my intention right from the very beginning, Mike. Uh, yeah, and whatever players were saying and uh, social media is, uh, is amazing uh, how, how things are. Can, it can be great. It can also be negative in some ways. Um, uh, but at, at the time when things were said, I, I didn't coax anybody or I didn't even know, to tell you the truth, that it was even being said. Some of the comments that were being said were, came back to me later, and I said, wow, why did they say that? <laughs> <laughs> You know, but uh, hey, it's freedom of speech, I guess. They they got the right to say it, and social media gives them the the tool to to spread the word fast. So it's sometimes uh, things got out there ahead of time, and and uh, I really couldn't uh, couldn't defend it uh, very much at all. But no, I um, as far as I I just brought up a few weeks ago with uh, with someone involved with us uh, about the nine ball uh, U.S. Open nine ball. And if there was anything we could do to help that uh, tournament and help that support that tournament, that's it's been around for a lot of years, and I would I would hate for that thing to to disappear. So um, I would do whatever we could do too to help help support that uh, that and any other ones that still kind of exist. I know this year it's kind of sad because most of them are are leaving the scene, and um, again I I don't think. You can blame bonus ball or or blame us for some of those happenings, Mike. A lot of the, a lot of those, uh, that's been kind of written on the wall for a long time that some of those tournaments might just fade away in in another year or two. So, it, it is. It's going to be a lean year, and you know, part of it is just coincidental. Part of it is previous events that didn't do as well and and part of it is the players themselves you know and and it goes back to that social media thing but that's that's a subject of a whole nother conversation um Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you mentioned the u.s open that was actually the first time that i got a chance to see the game being played and that was years and years ago right well this this whole concept is not something that just surfaced this year Mike, you know this is going back to 2009 when we were at the first U.S. Open. Then we were at another one after that. But, um, yeah, it's, it takes a long time to sort through this, uh, this project. Um, you know, we needed to build a facility to play under, and we ran into some obstacles when that first started. And so it's just been it's just very time-consuming and very expensive, you know, um, this project to date uh, in the last couple of years uh, has not taken just a few dollars. Uh, there's a few million dollars into this thing now. Right. But it's taken us to get to where it is. And um, we're, we're very optimistic. Um, we're feeling good about things. Uh, we're getting more and more people, I think, recognizing the value of this uh, from the spectators right to a few industry people today, I think, are are looking at it differently maybe than they did a year ago, that this thing does have value, and value for billiards in general. Uh, we get lots of great comments about how much people enjoy watching it. I've got um, 
a lot of money into the production of it, and I'm sure that those who watch it can see the the money we put into the production of this. Uh, I've been a believer that if we're going to do anything with billiards, we got to start producing a better product. The product has to look a higher scale, more quality production, and in order for us to uh, to take billiards in general further, so we've we've done our part in trying to to build the best image we can possibly build to attract new new visitors to billiards, and and we're doing it. We're getting new visitors all the time, every week. We're getting new visitors and and lots of great comments on how much they're really enjoying the competition that this game offers the professional. And, and uh, I've also had problems in the past year, Mike, with people feeling that the players only play because we pay them. That's not true. Uh, I, I just don't know if that's fair to a professional player to say that. Players play because they like something, and, and I could never attract as many players as I have to play this just because for money. They play it because they really do enjoy it. And uh, I hear it all the time about, hey, we can hardly wait to get back. we got to get back. We... We miss it, you know. So they play because they do truly like it, and, uh, and I just hope that that uh, that the spectators out there and the fan base um, start to support billiards in general. Uh, any great sport needs fans, or there's no sport. That's bottom line in my my book. If you don't have fans, you don't have a sport. So fans have to support everything, not just bonus ball, WPBL. They got to support billiards in general. They got to support the nine ball. Uh, U.S. Open when it comes out, and and as we know, they there was a lot of lack of support when the Ultimate Ten Ball was played. How, how do you expect business people to to continue to support the support the sport itself if if fans don't support it? So I hope that a lot of people get out there and and watch our pay per view this uh, this coming uh, May uh, this coming month, uh, February fifth to the fifteenth, and. And support it. Uh, it. It's what the players need too, and it'll become a sport. <laughs> so the playoffs are going to be on pay per view. Do you have a, a cost yet for that? Yeah, you could buy a pay per view package for twenty nine uh, ninety nine, which will give you all all of the matches uh, right through to the final match, which is the championship match on the fifteenth. So it gives you eleven matches, and the matches are time now to run about two two hours, two and a half hour match. And it's a single elimination, winner go home is what we're calling it. So there's 11 matches and there's one match being played. Uh, most of the evenings got a match at 6.30. There's one match at night. Um, there's one day. It's, it's, all, it's, all on our, it's all on the schedule, Mike, on, uh, on WPBLTV.com. But there is on one Sunday, there's an afternoon match. And the rest of them are, are evening matches, uh, with the exception of the championship match on the 15th, which will also be an afternoon match. So for $29.99, they get to watch all 11 matches from the start to the finish. Or you can pay $7.95 and pick off any match you want to watch. And for fans who are in the Vegas area, how can they get information on, on attending? Well, they can uh, contact us. They can, again, go to WPBLTV.com. And uh, they can uh, contact us, and uh, if they want to make a res reservation for seating, they can do that. Um, but the matches are free. Uh, if you show up to the uh, WPBL Arena in Las Vegas to watch these matches live, 
and um, they just have to contact us or or, or be sure to show up uh, at least uh, half an hour or an hour before the game time because there's limited seating. There's uh, limited seating, so they'll have to make sure they're there early enough. Sounds good. Well, Larry, I can't wait to see what happens in the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure Phoenix is going to win it all, but, you know, the, the other teams, they can... Phoenix stand a very good chance. There's not a bad team. There's not a bad team in this thing. There's a few teams that hopefully... You know, gel a little bit better as a team, uh, but overall, all 12 teams. I, I, someone said to me the other day, "Who's the favorite? Who do you think is going to win this?" I told him, "I don't know." I watch the matches now, and I see teams uh, like Los Angeles. They got a great team, and they just seem to play very consistent, and they play really good as a team. And then you've got, you know, probably at the beginning of the year, one of the all-time favorite teams in the. It was uh, it was Atlanta, and they finished in twelfth place. They finished in last place overall, and and they got a strong team. That's Johnny Archer's team, yeah. And they're strong, and I, I don't don't underestimate them when it comes to playoff time. They're they're going to come to play. They're going to be a strong team. So I think any team right now will will step up step up to the plate and play great, and uh, anyone can win it. <laughs> anyone can win this. All right, Larry. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, once again, everybody can get information on the playoffs at WPBLTV.com. And hopefully we can talk after the playoffs or maybe after you guys put together plans for Season 2 and see where things are going. Oh, we absolutely, Mike. Uh, for sure we'll do that. And uh, and I appreciate uh, you having me on the show. And uh, I wish, again, I'm wishing billiards in general the best of luck in the next uh, year or two. Um, all I know is that uh, it needs it, and I don't know if I'm if I'm saying that. Uh, I think everybody that's involved knows that that, that uh, billiards needs some assistance right now to see see through this tough time it's going through, and and uh, we're trying to do our part uh, to to help it. And I hope I hope the the fan base out there stands behind it and uh, and becomes a fan of billiards and helps support billiards in general. You and I are on the same page there. All right, thanks a lot, Larry. Okay, Mike, thank you very much for having me on. All right, talk to you later. Talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Welcome to another edition of the Go Play Pool app featured room of the week on American Billiard Radio, where we talk to the room owners of the best pool rooms in the U.S. Today I'm talking to John Lavin down at Red Shoes Billiard just outside of Chicago and also Illinois. How are you doing, John? Very good. Good. Tell us a little bit about Red Shoes Billiards. Okay, Red Shoes Billiards opened in 1995, so we've been open uh, going on 19 years right now. We have 15 big tables, two short tables, two bar tables. Uh, we have a full bar and kitchen. We've got poker machines. We open every day at 11 o'clock, and we're open 365 days a year. Nice. We close at 3 during the week and 4 on the weekends. Wow. You guys got the whole day covered, man. <laughs> All right. Tell me about uh, any leagues or tournaments that you guys have. Well, we've we've got a full range of leagues. I mean, we've got all the the you know the standardized APA, ACS, BCA, and there's even a a league out in the southern suburbs of Chicago called Our Own League, which has nothing to do with my specific place, except I've got a team represented in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, two days a week, we've got an in-house ha- uh, in-house uh, straight pool league. On Monday nights, it's a handicap straight pool league. On Wednesday nights, it's a uh, a heads-up straight pool league. That's great. 
One of these days, I'm going to have to uh, try and play straight pool a little bit more. I play. It's more. the granddaddy of all games. Uh, now, in our in our in our Wednesday league, we've got uh, probably the Midwest best players that actually play in there. We've got uh, such fellows as uh, uh, Bob Hunter, Ike Reynolds, uh, Ron Dobrzynski, uh, Tom Karabatis. I mean, these are all you know, 200 ball plus runner guys. So right. this is serious stuff. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy if I can get a rack down. <laughs> Me too, most days, but that's because I play one pocket. Yes. Every, everything's done in eights. Yes. Uh, all right. So you mentioned that you had a, a full menu. Um, what's your favorite item on your? Menu? Well, I mean, we're we're known for. Although I've been told we've got the best Polishes in, in the city of Chicago. I mean, my personal favorite is a cheeseburger. I mean, I got. Yes. I got the best cheeseburgers and on the south side, bar none. <laughs> you guys do uh, like Q repair and all that. We've got a we've got a full a full pro shop. I mean, uh, uh, where we can do you know tips while you wait, ferals obviously not while you wait. You have to leave those. Right. We wraps, we make shafts. We don't make cues per se, but you know we will we can do just about anything with a pull cue short of actually making it from scratch. Right. So with full pro shop, we've got at any point in time, you know, somewhere between 50 and 100 cues for sale within the pool room. Mhm. That's great. Um, what's your favorite event that you guys have? Well, we're we're known more for probably one pocket and banks than we are for maybe some some of the more tra- traditional games. So, uh-huh. you know, considering the room that 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 let's say like. Uh, Oh, I don't know. Freddie the Beard or Piggy Banks calls or calls the home room or Chris Gentile. You know, uh, it's we're one pocket in, in Banks room. Just last uh, last Saturday on the 18th, we have one of our our uh, one pocket tournaments. Uh, we normally do a, a $50 entry, $500 added tournament, and that was just last Saturday on the 20th. And then on February 1st, mm-hmm. uh, coming up in 2014, we have our next bank pool tournament. Basically, same kind of format. Uh, Fifty dollars interest fee, five hundred dollars at a double elimination. So right, those are we we seem to get the best response on those kind of tournaments. Yeah. All right, great. If you're in the Chicago area, you can find Red Shoes Billiards at one two zero zero nine South Pulaski Road in Alsup in the southern suburbs, and their phone number is seven zero eight three eight eight thirty seven hundred. Well, Red Shoes Billiards, they're going to have a limited profile on the Go Play Pool app, so you'll be able to find their information on there and, and how to get in touch with them. So make sure you download the app. It's free. And thank you again for sitting down and talking with me today, John. It's quite all right. All hope, right. To see, hope to see you and, and some of your listeners swing by the room. It'll be It's for worth sure. the trip. Yeah, if you uh, if you're in the mood for a good cheeseburger, make sure you uh, get down to Red Shoes Billiards. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Tom. <laughs> Thanks for uh, joining us again on American Billiard Radio for the Go Play Cool app featured room of the week, and we'll see you again next time. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is Mark Cantrell with the Legends and Champions Report, and we are going to be talking today about the latest news that just hit AZ Billiards and uh, the forums, and that is that Mark Wilson is going to be the captain of Team USA for 2014. And I have a very good friend joining me today, Johnny Archer, the Scorpion. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? Doing all right. Um, obviously, you probably uh, 
maybe got word of what was going on before anybody else did. But um, what do you what do you think, Mark Wilson? You know him pretty good, right? Yeah, I've known Mark for many many years. Uh, very good player, uh, very good person, really nice guy. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely could be what USA needs, and you know it's uh, it's exciting for a new change. And uh, as we've seen from the years past, USA definitely needs a change. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm anxious to see what happens. Well, you, this this time it's a little bit different as well. Um, this, this time you get to pick the team. I, I'm not sure that, well, you've played on the Moscone Cup for the last, what, 18 years? Uh, just too many. I don't want to remember. Uh, it means I'm old. <laughs> well, in the 18 years, has do you recall the team captain having uh, the ability to pick, just select his own team? Uh, no. No, this is first year for that. Yeah, this is a, uh, definitely a new change too. Yeah. Do you think uh, you think you think it's a good idea though, or is it bad to go with the rankings and say, okay, well these guys are the best performers this year; they deserve a spot, or is it better to have the time to to look at these each player that you would like? Well, I think uh, myself, I'm all for you know Mark picking the team uh, because he's gonna. He's going to really put a lot of time and effort into it, and I think, uh, from what I understand, there's going to be some, you know, team building and some uh, camaraderie and and you know different ways to try to make the team better, whatever team it is. And of course, he's going to be in the forefront of that, so uh, he'll know best of, of everybody else. So I think it's a good idea myself. You know, last last week on this show, I had spoken about this. And I had no real knowledge of what was going to happen or what was going on. Obviously, you hear uh, rumors within the business that things are going to happen differently. But I said it'd be nice if we could get the team picked this time or work towards having a team a lot sooner than we usually do. And it looks like this is going to be the time where he's going to be able to pick the team at least six or seven months in advance. It looks like it, yeah. I think uh, definitely there's going to be some time to prepare, you know, with with whoever's on the team and whoever makes it. So, uh, you know, um, it's going to be anxious. It's going to be be fun to see. Um, I know Blackpool's supposed to be a very, very – Difficult venue for anybody coming in as a visitor, so um, you know he needs to. We need to pull out all stops. Whoever that team is uh, needs to be ready. Do you have any uh, predictions of uh, what the team could look like? Well, the one there's only one prediction that I see that's 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 uh, you know a pretty good lock to make the team, and that'd be Shane. You know myself, but uh, other than that, now it's uh, it's up in the air. I'm not exactly sure who who fits the bill. Um, you know, I have definitely my uh, my favorites, but um, you know, my favorites is is not done well in the past, in the past recent years. So, you know, um, we just have to see, have to see what happens. Well, there were talk, there's been talk as well. Obviously, once you get onto these uh, the easy believe forums, there's ideas and 
plans that come from all over the place, and it's hard to you know put any weight in any particular one, but it does give you cause to think. And one of the things that's been mentioned is um, having a squad full of young guns that maybe are not Rodney, you, Earl, and and things like that, but having a, a team full of up and coming players with uh, uh, you know some young blood. What, what do you think of that? Well, that definitely could be the mixture. Uh, it could be, you know, right now. Um, Whatever the change is, it just needs to be a change. And whether it's, uh, you know, it's definitely we need some young blood, that's for sure. Whether it's all the team or, you know, a big portion of the team. Whatever it is, it needs to be young blood, um, you know, I, I think fresh ideas, you know, fresh team. Uh, but bottom line is the team's going to have to work together no matter who it is. Uh, they're going to have to work together. They're going to have to be a team. And they're going to have to, you know, pretty much just do exactly what the Europeans do, you know, and that is work together and be on each other's side uh, down to the last drop. So, um, you know, myself, if that's the way uh, it goes, you know, I'm all for USA. So no matter what, whether I'm there or whether I'm not, I'm there at heart anyway. Right. I'm just, uh, the, the thing, I, I, I liked a couple of things about the thought of having the young guns there. And w- one part I like is maybe they've got a little fire in their eyes. Um, uh, they're on the world stage where they haven't been for the most part, depending who it is, of course, Shane obviously has. But right. they're out there, they've got something to really prove they don't let their team down, their country down, their family down, fans down, or any all themselves down, for that matter. And right. that's a wonderful thing. As you and I have talked about this before, it's a wonderful thing to have, and it's a wonderful thing to maybe have a little bit more uh, time with the way the selection process looks like it's going to happen. I'm not really privy to the information, but what everybody's seen already. Um, but having the team unity. And having a young team uh, with fire in their eyes doesn't really... There's only people, a few people like yourself who can talk about what it's like with... No matter what you've got, the unity of the team building and the fire in the eyes, when you get into that situation under the lights at a Moscone Cup, especially in Europe, it's got to be a whole other ball of wax, right? Yeah, it's a, it's just a... You can prepare your whole life for it, you know, outside of the arena, but uh, when you get in the arena, it's always different. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I I like the fact, or I like the idea myself of having plenty of time to prepare, whoever that team is, you know, having time to prepare. Uh, whether however Mark puts it together for them to prepare, you know, is going to be a big plus. So uh, you know, I'm I'm all for that. Um, I think it's a I think it's a must. I think we have to do it. Uh, our team USA has to do it, and that's just the way it is. And you know, I'm excited. Sure. Um, we've been. Uh, I'll go off the Moscone Cup for a, a, a little minute here. That an ongoing conversation that I've been having on these shows is the future of pool. What, what do you think about the future of pool? Where do you think 
where do you think it's going? Do you think there's anything? What does it need? What do you think we need to build this up? I've talked about everybody being organized and and that kind of thing, but, you know, will it really work in reality? And uh, what is it that we need to get together to make it happen? Well, you know, you know, as far as having a, uh, a crystal ball and knowing what I think the, the, that's going to happen pool, you know, would be just uh, hearsay. But no matter what, we, the pool needs an, pool definitely needs an overhaul. It needs a new look. I mean, the old look just ain't working. You know, it's not going to work. I just don't believe it. Um, you know, I've been involved with it for many, many, many years. You know, in the last few years, I got politically involved with it, which has been a, it's taken a lot of years off my life. You know, gave right. me a lot of extra gray hair. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's hard to say what the future holds. Um, I always try to be positive. I always try to say, you know, always look forward to the next day. Uh, but I know the last few years has make it mu- made it much, much harder to look forward to the next day. You know, and uh, nobody's fault. I don't believe it's anybody's fault. I'm not, you know, there's no blame here. Uh, so it's just it's difficult to, to watch. You know, uh, a lot of tournaments has went by the wayside. Um, you know, more and more fighting uh, pretty much. Uh, what I've seen happen over the last few years is there's been more fighting for less. You know, uh, less money, less things to, to have, and more fighting. And I'm like, wow, uh, you'd think if there's more fighting, there'd be more money. But uh, it's, it's kind of went the opposite way. So, anyway. Yeah, uh, I think people are just, maybe there's more fighting, and then, like you said, nobody's to blame. Well, I can't say nobody's to blame. Maybe everybody's got a little bit of blame. To take. Sure, that's you know. exactly right. And everybody, the, everybody, there's there's a blame in everybody here, not just one or two or ten people. There's a blame to everybody. Everybody in the industry, all the players, promoters, everybody can take blame because if if everybody got together uh, to start with, you know, there's well, there's just you know, stakes to fact, and we wouldn't be where we're at. Well, you said the 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 fight, the the, the fight over something smaller, and I said it before, and other people have said it that the pie right now the pie is too small, and so everybody's trying to take a piece of the smaller piece of pie. Now, if everybody was doing well and promoters were making hundreds of thousands of dollars, and pool players were on TV making hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm not sure there'd be as much fight. You know, they probably would. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. That's uh, you know, uh, very well could be right. There's, this uh, could be just a victim of circumstance. But uh, but you know, well, you know, bottom line is, um, you know, we we need what what we really need is we need a a, a new crop of players, of promoters, of sponsors. Whatever the case is, we need a new crop. 
and the older crop is falling off. You know, you see, you see the some of the poor owners are the poor are closing up. Uh, you see some of the sponsors or some of the industry uh, they're closing up. You know, some of the older, definitely some of the older players are falling by the wayside. You know, they're older. Uh, right. You know, just and you don't have that replacement. You know, uh, for every one that, or for every one that goes by, you know, or every three that goes by, you might have one to take their place. You know, and right. that's just, uh, you know, that's well, that's kind of what I've seen the last few years. His his word, I agree with everything that you're saying, and his. If you go right down to the the root, maybe of the of the problem, and I say, let's just say I'm a 25 year old promoter with dreams and stars in my eyes about how fantastic and how much money I could make being a promoter in whatever industry. Right. And you are a 21 year old rising pool star. Okay. What incentive? do I have to promote anything, a match or a tournament, and what incentive do you have to become a professional player at this point? I mean, if well, you look at it, I, I can say I'm a promoter. I don't, you know, I, I, there's not much money in it, so let me look at maybe promoting boxing instead of pool. And right. maybe you say, I love pool, I'm great at it, but what's my incentive to play it? I can't make any money. Everybody broke. Right. Well... You know, I definitely see your point, and uh, I know, you know it's negative. I wish I, I wish I had an argument for you in that. You know, I, I wish I had an argument for you. But bottom line is, uh, just like whenever I was, you know, I was a teenager, and I quit school to play pool. You know, back then there was no guarantee. Uh, yeah, you had more tournaments. There's definitely, you know, I'd had no chance really to make make a big income even at the time. So you still got to have that fire and that heart whether you're a promoter or whether you're a player, uh, no matter what. Or whether you're a, you know, up-and-coming um, cue maker. You know, you might say, well, okay, well, I'm good with wood. I can make cues or I can make furniture. You know, uh, which one can I do? And you say, but so you've got to have passion no matter which which it is. And, you know, and, and hope it works out. For some people, it's worked out. Uh, some people, it's worked out a lot better. You know, I have no, I have no regrets, you know, for, for doing what I've done over the, uh, over the years. You know, I have, uh, you know, there's well, a lot of things I wish I'd have done differently. You know, I definitely wish I'd have done differently. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, I tried my best. I thought that, uh, you know, I thought that that was the best thing to do. And, and uh, you know, well, at the end yeah. of the at the end of the day, you 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 know you're one of the lucky ones, or more talented ones, whichever way right. you want to look at it. You know, right, um, right. This this had an opportunity to live a life that a lot of people can only dream of. You know, um, a lot of people uh, they turn eighteen, they go work in the factory, and maybe they become a supervisor, and they work nine till five in a little town somewhere. And then they get old and they retire and then that's it. Right. Uh, you've had an opportunity to make a lot of money, and you've had yeah. an opportunity to see a lot of parts of the world that people only dream about. Right. So I, that's I, true. I know, I know a lot of experiences, you know. That's true. You're right. And as as uh, uh, no matter what 
what road you decide to take, whether it's playing pool or whether it's, uh, you know, being a doctor, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take a lot of time to do it. Um, now, the ending result, uh, you know, of course, if you look at an ending result right now and say, you know, um, which one would do would serve me better, being a doctor or being a pool player? Well, we see that what the ending result being a doctor. You know, but it's still you, you're still in a field uh, fighting everybody to try to become a doctor. You know, same same with pool. So, you know, it's just uh, you you uh, it's, it's it's hard to be positive. You know, the way the state of pool has been, and if, to answer your question, yeah, state of pool has definitely gone down. You know, guaranteed. It has gone down over the last 15 years, 20 years. I know it has. It's gone down a pretty good, substantial amount. But it's still around. There is there is people talking about it. You know, what can we do? What can we do? Whether they do anything, you know, it remains to be seen. But it's definitely being talked about. And at least that's a start that pe- that, that the industry or the people involved with it you know, at least acknowledges, hey, we need to, let's figure this out or, or there's going to be nothing left to, to, to work with. Yeah. And it, 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 people talk about, well, a movie, you know, like The Hustler did uh, a lot for pool back in the day and back in more of the day, still back in the day, The Color of Money did give uh, pool a huge shot in the arm sure. as well. Um, I know there's been a couple of other movies that have came out, uh, you know, since then. But, you know, is there a chance of A Color of Money 2? That, that might, it sounds silly, but that's, that's something that the players really have no control over, the promoters really have no control over. It's up to somebody like Martin Scorsese or somebody else to say, I'm gonna, I've got this, read this book, I'm going to make this great movie. Right. We, we, and that might be the thing that changes everything. Other than that, you know, it's some angel investor coming in. And uh, just well, an angel investor ain't going to do the trick. But what we need is we have to have somebody that has a plan that actually has a structured plan with money, or at least access to money. And we, if they don't have a structured plan on what what the steps are, what to do, it doesn't matter what money they have. I mean, of course, you got to have money too, but. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we've seen with Kevin Trudeau and, and uh, you know, a couple of things in the past where people just kind of come in and throw money at it. Um, but it just, you know, throwing money at it, you know, it didn't, didn't do the trick. So uh, we they got to have a plan and uh, a nice plan to, to basically start from ground level and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to grow the juniors. This is how we're going to grow the the, I don't know, billiard schools, um, how we're going to grow the pro, pro events, the amateur side, you know, uh, the spot, whatever the case is, you know, uh, whatever plan they got, it needs to be a pretty solid plan. And it takes a lot of time, energy, and money. To, Absolutely. So. Um, That's exactly right. So you're, uh, well, you're heading to Derby City tomorrow? Heading to Derby City tomorrow. Where are you planning? Uh, I don't know yet what I'm going to play. Uh, I always play. I love playing the straight pool challenge. I love playing the, you know, I play the nine ball. Um, not exactly uh, 
sure about the 10 ball yet. I think it might be full anyway. So, uh, you know, just uh, just kind of I'll get up there and see what I'm going to do. So you're not going to play the one part yet? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to play the one pocket. <laughs> where, where, where do you rank yourself in the world of one pocket? Uh, let's just say if they had a ranking in one pocket of the top 200, uh, I'd probably be right at the high 200s. <laughs> high, high hundreds? No, high 200s. Oh, if it goes over, you up to 200. I may not even be ranked. But, uh, but no, um, you know, I, I enjoy, I enjoy to watch one pocket to a point myself. I've just never been a, uh, never gotten into one pocket. Don't have anything against the game. I just don't, uh, I've never gotten into it. Um, you know, I know there's going to be one pocket fans listening and they cringe, uh, when a nine ball player talks about one pocket. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I've never, never really gotten into it. Uh, probably would play it well if I took the time and and put the effort into it. I probably would be a good one pocket player. I I always thought it was uh, the the most boring game on the planet, and uh, I had the opportunity one time uh, to to play. Okay. And so I said, "Have a come on, have a game." I said, "I really don't know the rules. Help me out a little bit." So they broke, and it was my shot. And right then, before I hit a ball, I went, wow, that's why people love this game. Because you really got to think. There's so many different things to think about and ways to move around. Right. That it's really it's difficult. It takes a lot of thought process. And, you know, I, I played a guy and uh, I, beat, I beat the guy out of $40. Never played before. And uh, now I think, I think I've told you this before, I, I thought I had a natural aptitude for one pocket because this guy's been playing for 20 years and I've never played and I just took him for $40. All right. So I'm full of myself and I was with uh, Buddy, Buddy Hall. Okay. I said, hey, Buddy, you want to play some one pocket? He goes, oh, well, for fun? I said, yeah, just for fun. He said, no, no, I'll play for something, though, if you want. I said, I just won 40, so let's play for the 40. I'm not kidding you. It, it must have taken three minutes. He, he just he, he just cleaned my clock in three minutes flat. Three exactly, minutes and you are done. He knew he knew exactly what I was going to do, when I was going to do it, and he knew what he was going to do. And it was probably maybe the fastest forty dollars it's probably ever made. But um, <laughs> so you're spending uh, a lot of time at your billiard club, Maria Billiard Club. Yep. Yes, I have. I've been um, I've been coming in trying to trying to work it a lot. Been in there a good bit, trying to uh, you know just trying to get business and you know plug every day at a time. You don't ever work in the kitchen, do you? That's probably a good thing. Uh, I got I went back there one night and I got back with our cooks and I said, "All right, guys, I'm gonna sit back here with you and I want you guys to teach me." you know, how to cook in case, you you know, you guys get sick and can't make it so I can at least keep the kitchen going. And then uh, I was back there for five minutes, and they both looked at me and said, if we ever both got sick at the same time, it's a really, really good thing if you close the kitchen down. <laughs> Don't try to get back here because the time we get back, you'll, there'll be no kitchen. 
And I said, you know what? That's probably a good thing. So let's uh, let's just kind of leave it at that. Y'all guys don't get sick together. So. <laughs> well, we we spent a lot of time t- together on the road, and I've uh, and I've seen some of your cooking abilities. So I could have probably saved you time if you'd have said, hey, you know, Mark, I'm getting ready to go learn how to work the kitchen. I could have saved you however long you were in now. I could have saved you that much time. So, you know, I just... Mark, you're telling somebody about cooking, and you have no clue how to cook. None. I give you the five in cooking. I give you the five in cooking all day long. Well, so maybe you, you can. I didn't, that ain't really saying nothing, giving me the five in cooking. Well, I'm just That's saying... Like me saying I'll give you the five playing nine ball. That really ain't saying a whole lot. Well... Yeah, ain't well, saying much at all. Well, I, I tell you what, we're gonna we'll we'll leave it at that on the on the cooking. You got me on the pool. I, there's no disguise about that. But I don't want to get in an argument with you about cooking when you. It's obvious you really don't know. So we'll leave it at that. Um, anything else going on at Marriott Billiard Club though? Have you got anything coming up? Anything? Any uh, leagues? Anything you want to talk about? No, we just you, uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna we're looking to have maybe the. Uh, GPPA to come in our place here. We're going to look that's, more into that. That's, that's Siegel's, uh, Mike Siegel, that's Siegel's League, yeah. We're looking to have that in. So, um, you know, we're, you guys, we're kind of... You guys were just play, played a little exhibition, didn't you, up there? We sure did, and uh, Siegel come in second. <laughs> Make sure you mention that. Um, yeah. He come in He come in second in a two-horse two race. Sure did. <laughs> Well, I think that's that's about it, Johnny. Unless you've got you've got anybody you want to say hello to, anybody you want to thank. Well, I'd like to say thanks to my sponsor, Scorpion Q's. Many, many years. Don't even want to think how many, so many years. Uh, Kathy and Eric out there, Q Sticks, uh, Championship Billiard Cloth, uh, Billiard Fabric. I've been with Mike, Sarah, and Fred there for for well, coming up on a year now. Uh, Universe Clothing. Uh, Trying to work, trying to work with them guys, uh, with Nick, and so uh, yeah, just uh, you know, say thank you to everybody that's, that supported me, and and um, hopefully a few a few more years along with it. All right, well, I uh, I appreciate your time, man, and uh, hopefully when Nixon, I don't know what's going to be coming up next, but hopefully we can get you back on here and give us your thoughts about whatever's going on at that time. You got it, bro. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, everybody have a nice day. Thank you. All right, that's it for now, American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report with uh, just with our special guest, Johnny Archer, and this is Mark Kentrell. We will speak to you next week. I'm Scott Lee, PBIA Master Instructor from Largo, Florida. And I'm Randy Gettlicker, PBIA Master Instructor from Dallas, Texas. And welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. So today's topic is? Today we're going to talk about 
the definition of what is a good stroke? What is the definition of a pendulum swing? Tell us a little bit about that, Randy. Well, there's a couple of different ways of moving the cue stick, but our students are, we try to keep it kiss, try to keep it simple, less moving parts, less things to memorize, less things that can go wrong. So the definition of a, of a pendulum stroke is hold the cue in the, in the proper position, smooth back, accelerate through the cue ball, and mark your finished position. Um, the, the cue stick always returns back to level in a good pendulum stroke. You know, a lot of people uh, think that uh, the cue should be level all the time. Yeah, that's a common myth of pool. Um, that's hard to do, if not darn near impossible. Well, the only way you can do that is if you uh, drop your elbow and use a piston-type stroke. Yeah, and on and the backstroke, you kind of got to rock back with it. So. And there's no, uh, there's no uh, surety that the that that's going to be a straight line where we know that the the way the elbow works as a hinge, it will be a straight line if you use a pendulum swing. Yeah, in, in a good pendulum swing, you just rock your hand back and rock your hand back through the cue ball. And, and it's got to be a straight line because the elbow can't move out of the line. And it has to be a smooth movement. You certainly can't jerk your cue back and expect to accelerate forward and have any kind of accuracy or consistency. So what is our uh, topic next week, Scott? Our topic next week, uh, we're going to uh, get into... Uh, so what is SPF, oh, also known as Set, Pause, set finish. Pause, Finish. I'll see everybody next week. This is Randy G. And Scott Lee, signing off. Hello, and welcome to Pool on the Grind on American Billiard Radio. I'm your host, Jerry T. of NYCGrind.com, sitting in for Allison Fisher. In the last few weeks, I've been contributing to the ongoing conversation around what's positive in the pool world. Today, uh, I'd like to introduce a very special guest and a good friend of mine um, who's going to contribute to the conversation himself. I'd like to welcome uh, New York legend, legendary player, Tony Robles. Tony, welcome to the show, and it's a pleasure to sit here with you. Well, thank you for having me, Jerry. It's an honor to be here, and I appreciate and respect what you're doing for the sport of pool. You're a very hard worker, and uh, just want to let you know that it never goes unnoticed. I appreciate that, Tony. Um, no question, there's a lot going on in the sport of pool, but the reality is there's, there's no way that we could break new ground by ourselves. No man is an island, and it's so important for us to be able to collaborate and communicate and look to work together in order to break new ground and grow the pie as a whole. Would you agree? I agree 100%, and I think that part of that has to do with trying to work with each other to help each other instead of trying to destroy one another. Well, I, I agree with that. Now, you've been playing the game a long time. I've been playing the game since I was, you know, like 12 years old. I don't know. When did we meet, man? I was 13 or 14, something like that. I don't know. You've been playing the game how long altogether? Because when I got into the game, you were already a legend. You know, Help me understand or remind me how you got into the game and how long you've been playing the game. 
Well, I, I walked into a pool room with my dad. My dad was about an A-plus player at the time. So he used to, you know, play money matches and stuff like that. I walked into the pool room and I started noticing the sound of the ball or the pocket when the ball went in the pocket and it made like this loud booming sound. And I thought that was so cool. And I said, man, I have to figure out a way to, to give this a shot. I would love to hit a ball hard, see if I can, you know, make that sound as well. So, so a, a friend of my dad's asked me, hey, kid, do you want to learn how to play? And I said, sure. And I asked my dad, is this okay? And he said, yeah. So I started hitting some balls. He gave me a book written by Steve Miserak back then. And I read, I was so excited. I read the book that night. And the very next day, I was practicing side spin. And the guy wow. said, man, you're a fast learner. He says, you're already practicing side spin. I said, I just love the game. I just fell in love with the game. Yeah. So I, I've basically been playing for, for 34 years. I started when I was 13, and I'm 47 now. Well, I mean, after all these years, what keeps you coming back? What keeps you wanting to, I guess, continue to stay part or be a part of the fabric of this game? Well, the number one reason is, and I'll say this to the day I die, I believe that as great a film as a hustler is, that film literally took pool back to the stone ages because every single person that i've met from every walk in life every walk of life throughout the years of teaching the first question that they always ask me when i'm about to give them a lesson for the first time is are you a hustler and everyone just associates associates a game with hustling and that's become a big burden for pool it's become something that's very tough to get rid of because that movie was a major hit and obviously when the color of money came out yeah. it gave boost I mean, it gave pool a huge boost in the, in the arm, and it, it, people started opening high-end pool rooms all over the world, mm. but especially in the United States. So that was big for the game. But how many years has it been since that movie came out? There really hasn't been anything major since. Right. So pool definitely is another movie, but I really believe as long as they involve hustling in these films, they, there's got to be a better way. It's, it's going to continue to suffer our game because uh, corporate America sees it still as a CD game and, and they, they hesitate to invest corporate dollars into our sport. Okay. Well, where do you see the positives right now? You were here in New York. There's a lot going on in the New York area. Um, let's talk about where you see positivity. Well, I mean, to finish what I started with the previous question, okay. um, the thing that keeps me coming back is I am absolutely determined to put pool on the map and make people realize that this is an amazing sport, that no, it's no longer a hustler's sport. You know, and I, that's why I do the tour. That's why I run my own pool league called the National Amateur Pool League. I, I, I'm going all out for our yeah. game because I don't want to see it die. And it's a shame that just about every single person in America that owns a house you know, at least 80-90% of them have a pool table in there, and no one's really taking notice or is kind of ignoring the game because it doesn't get the respect that it deserves. Interesting. Now, most people know that pool is a great participation sport. I mean, it's, it's a game. I mean, it's definitely a sport, but it's a game. I mean, it's one of the great things about the game. One of the things I love about the game is the fact that I could be out with a few friends or out on a date or out with people and have a beer and, and be able to play pool in like a social setting where you don't have to take it so seriously. And I also love the fact that you could be a young kid, like you just said, you know, a lot of people have pool rooms in their homes. You could be 12 years old or you can be 80 years old and you can play the game of pool. So there's there's not a barrier, like you don't need a field and a baseball, you know, you, you could play it by yourself in your basement. 
or you can go out, you know, have a night out on the town with some friends and find your way into a bar that has a pool table and hit some balls with no equipment. So I, I just see a lot of potential, T. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited and I see a lot of optimism, you know, uh, a lot of optimism from here, especially with some of the advent of... Um, uh, some, of the techno- some of the technological changes, broadband speeds are getting faster, computing power is getting faster, and technology as a whole, I believe, is multiplying our ability to communicate. Everything that you said is 100% true. problem is that you have a lot of players or a lot of people that aren't players or players that are people that are players that are trying to do everything they can for the sport, but unfortunately there are so many people out there that are so greedy that they're not willing to work with any other organizations in order to help the sport grow. They just want to take care of themselves, and I've been all for working together since day one, and anyone that knows me knows that that's a fact. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it's, it's a continuing problem that I think that if it's, unless it's resolved at some point, we're going to destroy each other. I, I know I'm not going to be a part of it. I, anyone comes up to me or has come up to me in the past that said that they wanted to work with me, it, it was never a problem. For example, when our dear friend George Ginky Sansusi passed away, yeah. I on the Predator Tour, you know, John Lehman approached me uh, and asked me, would you be willing to do a, uh, would you be willing to join forces with us? In order to be a part of your George Ginky Sansusi memorial, which we started, you know, the year that Ginky passed away. And I said, of course, John, that's a no-brainer. I'm all for the sport. I want to help the sport grow. It's that type of mentality that I think that's going to help the sport flourish. But I don't see enough of it. Okay. But I'm not going to let that discourage me because, fortunately for me, I've been blessed with a lot of great people like yourself and people in the industry that have seen all the positive things that I'm trying to do with the game and realize that I'm really trying hard to help it grow. And there's a plus to that. Because then when you want to make special events, you know, you become available, everyone in the industry becomes available, and we all come together. But as long as people are going at each other's necks, we won't even reach first base, just like my dad used to say. I like that, Tony. What you're talking about, well, the event you're talking about, the Ginky Memorial, is where... um, Three of the most popular tours in the New York area or the Northeast get together to celebrate um, the memory of George Ginky Sansucci. And, um, you know, it's just awesome that the Predator Tour, the Tri-State Tour, and the Mez Tour, um, you know, is looking beyond the short term and, and is working with, you know, they're working with each other. You guys are working with each other and pulling your talent and your resources uh, for something that's just goes beyond just the self the pool player and and what they can get out of it that's what i really like about that i i think that that serves a or that that sets really a great example and uh that raises the bar and 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 really serves as a benchmark for people to collaborate and communicate and um really just keep the conversation going i mean how, how important is keeping the conversation going and communicating in this game well, that's the thing. Sometimes, for, for some people, it doesn't matter if you keep the conversation going. They're, they're so, they, they have so, such a one-track mind, and they're so determined to believe that people are stealing all the time. That's not always the case. For example, I was once uh, on the board of a major pro tour that we had here in the United States. I'm not going to mention the name of it. Um, but, you know, I, I was on this board, and I, my job was to try to get the players together because there's power numbers to approach companies, try to get sponsorship dollars and stuff like that. And when I saw that these guys only cared about themselves, 
I got so discouraged and so disgusted that I quit within a month and a half. And I was supposed to be on the board for a year and a half. Mm. I tried to put together a charity event with the guy that was the president of the organization for kids. And we had a, a huge tournament in Virginia. And I could only get one top player to volunteer his time to run the charity event that was for kids to teach them how to play pool and try to raise money so that they can learn how to read, to buy books to teach them how to read. And I was just so disappointed these players that they didn't want to put in even just 30 minutes of their time to teach these kids to help raise money. Yeah. Oh, they were too worried about their next matches at 7 p.m. We were doing this at 4 p.m., so they had plenty of time. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's that type of mentality, whereas someone like Jeanette Lee and Allison Fisher, I respect a great deal. Not only are they good friends of mine, but they've done so much for the game. And despite the fact that they make more money than just about every other pool player or have done so for many years, the, youth, the first words out of their mouths is, what can we help to help the game grow? What can we do to help the game grow? And that, that's, that's what their response was with the WPBA when they first became big names. And that's why the WPBA still exists to this day. So as long as they were willing to do something, they didn't let their egos get in the way, which is very admirable, and you have to respect that. And we need more of that on the men's side. And unless we get that, it's never going to happen. Let's just talk about pool in the New York area right now. Would you say that pool is on an upswing right now? Is it hotter than you've seen it in a while? I think as far as pool is concerned in New York City, it's hotter than it's ever been before. And I've been in this game 34 years because wow. uh, we have Jason Shaw, who's moved to New York City. He's one of the, in my opinion, one of the top players in the world. Right. Um, we have the great Earl Strickland who's won five World Championships, five U.S. Opens. He's a house pro at Steinway Billiards. And I heard that there's another top player that might be moving soon to New York, but I, I'm not really at liberty to say anything because, you know, I want to make sure that's been confirmed. Okay. Before, But we, we have, and on top of that, we've grown our tour here in New York City. I know you say you wanted to talk about the Predator Tour, but yeah. we went from starting out with 16 tour stops when we first started in 08 to now 27 this year and possibly right. 28. I might have to add another one. So we have a lot of exciting things going on here. We have the Tri-State Tour run by John Lehman, who's a, a, a one of the greatest tournament directors, I think, in the world today. No he's, question. he's done the World Championships, the U.S. Open. He's done it yeah. all, John. Yeah. And John's a good guy. He's a know? good guy. He's a great and, and you know, He's great at what he does. Oh, yeah. And then we also have the men's tour run by Jose Burgos. You know, he doesn't come up here as often, but he tries to come up whenever he can. So we have a lot of great things happening in our area. And, and I don't think I've ever been as excited as I am, especially this year. Now that we have all this stuff going on, we just had the challenge match between Efren Reyes and Earl Strickland. Um, you know, it was just confirmed that uh, the World Straight Pool Championships will be held again at Steinway Billiards on August 4th through the 9th. So we're excited about that as well. So there's a lot of great things going on here. Well, no question about that. I agree with you, Tony. Efren and Earl was amazing. I've never seen a pool room so packed. It was wild. And um, your opener, the season opener, your event just started. I mean, your, two, your, your season just started for the Predator Program Tour. And on the opener, what would you get, 105 amateurs, something crazy like that alone? What would you get on the amateur event? Yeah, it was our biggest season opener to date. Uh, the previous record, I believe, was 89, 91, something wow. like that. But uh, 
Uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot of that has to do with the fact that we changed the format. We went to a split chart format. Yeah. So now the lower echelon of players play on the bottom of the tournament chart, and then the upper echelon players play on the top hand of the chart. So they don't really meet the lower echelon players until the semifinals or the quarterfinals, actually. So it gives everyone an equal chance of winning the event. So I knew that that was going to draw in a lot of players, but a lot of that also has to do with the fact that we're having it at Steinway Billiards. Steinway Billiards, I can never thank them enough for all that they've done for the game. Uh, you know, Manny Stomaticus, the owner, Anna Nicola Kakos, you know, his, his wife, uh, George Nicola Kakos, he's also an owner. They've been tremendous, and their staff is amazing. And, you know, I also have Amsterdam Bitters to thank because I've been the house pro there for so many years. And what Greg Hunt has done for the game of pool throughout the years is it's unbelievable. Actually, when you think about it, if you take all the money that he's added throughout the years, he's been in business for over 20 somewhat years. Oh, I lost track already. So Greg has also done a lot for the game of pool. And I think that, you know, he deserves to get some credit for that as well. Oh, absolutely. A lot of credit. And he's been responsible for uh, really opening up his door is rolling out the red carpet to some of the greatest players that have ever played the game. When they come to New York, they all know that Amsterdam Billiards is uh, is the marquee spot in terms mm-hmm. of uh, you know world class pool, um, and it has been for, for for a very long time. But right now, I love to see this buzz going on here in Queens. Um, I'm from Queens. I'm a home. You know, I mean, Queens is my hometown, mm-hmm. and I've seen the game go through different cycles. And right now, I've never seen pool so hot in Queens. I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah, I'm excited, too. I'm excited, too. But I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget to mention Ethan Hunt, who's the yeah. brother of Greg, that they own the business together. Because Ethan uh, uh, also opened a place called Lucky Strike in Manhattan, which is the most beautiful bowling alley I've ever seen. And he, despite the fact that bowling is what most people do when they go there, he still put like six or seven pool tables in there. You know, and so what he does, which I thought is brilliant, he has people playing pool while they wait for bowling lanes to open up, yeah. which is very smart because it keeps them there. Awesome. So, so last thing, we have to wrap up. There's a lot of really great things um, going on in, in the pool scene here in the New York area, definitely in the world. And I think leagues has a big part to do with it, you know, really just across the world, you know, throughout the USA. But... I definitely know for a fact in the New York area, more and more people are playing leagues. And your league has grown, the National Amateur Pool League. Tony, um, tell us about the National Amateur Pool League. And when you wrap up, because we have to end on this note, just remind everyone where they can go online to learn more about the Predator Tour as well as the National Amateur Pool League. So please, if you could, just give, you know, give us just like, uh, a quick overview of the National Amateur Pool League and why you're passionate about growing it and why you're excited about it. Well, when we started the league, we started with 14 teams in Manhattan and New York City, and I obviously named it the National Amateur Pool League with the intentions of growing nationally. Um, I'm actually supposed to have a conversation with a gentleman who wants to start his own version of the NAPL in Washington, D.C. this Friday. But it's, it's a league that I started from scratch with my wonderful wife, Gail Robles, and uh, she is my rock, and she's the reason why I started these these two businesses, the Predator Tour and the uh, the National Amateur Pool League. She's uh, as much as she hates 
to hear me say this, she's a genius when it comes to stuff like that. She's one of those ladies that you give her one idea and she turns it into ten. So we've been able to grow the league because of the ideas that she's given me, you know, in the past couple of years. And we've grown from 14 to 22. Now we have a division in Brooklyn with eight teams and we have a division in Bayside, Queens, uh, Q-Bar. Bayside, Queens and Risqué in Brooklyn. At Q-Bar and Bayside, Queens, we have ten teams now, possibly 12 next season. So we're constantly growing. And we're about to start a singles league in New York City. I mean, not in New York City, at Steinway Billiards here okay. in Astoria on Friday nights, and we're limiting it to 64, and as it stands, it looks like we're going to get the 64 players. So, But mainly, it's it's a great way to help grow the sport because the amateurs are the keys to the growth of our sport. Because you have to study, if you think about it, there are way more amateur players than there are professional players. So if you want to grow the sport, you have to be able to start from the ground up. Why not start with the amateurs? And ever since I started this, I, I even though you know it doesn't happen too often, you see people come up to you and give you a nice thank you for it. Yeah. You know, just this this uh, tonight, we just had 16 teams play in the first round playoffs of our league, and now there are only eight left. But even the people when they lose, Tony, thank you for the organizing this. We're having a blast. It's an honor to play in your league. But more than anything, we're learning about the game. We're learning about websites. We're learning about equipment. You know, and, and, and that's that's what helps us the, the, the growth of the sport. Teaching them, you know, what the game's about. Do you want to use this equipment? Do you want to use that equipment? Hey, where's this pool? Where's that pool room? They get to go to places they ne- they never even knew existed. Yeah. And that that's a plus. That's a plus for us. So as far as the tour is concerned, um, I again we had 105 players in, in the season opener, and we're anticipating record-breaking numbers this season. So we're pretty excited about that. And uh, anyone interested in, in the Predator Pro M Tour, just visit PredatorProMTour.com. And as far as the NAPO, which is an, a fantastic league, we pay cash prizes. We pay over $10,000 just in the Manhattan League yeah. alone in cash prizes every season. Uh, visit PlayNAPO.com. That's short for National Amateur Pool League. PlayNAPO.com. Awesome, T. Well, it really has been a pleasure to sit down with you and... Uh, gain some insight you know a little bit more insight into how you see the pool world some of the positives and ultimately um i definitely agree with you i believe that if we communicate and we look to collaborate and work with each other and think uh big and think long term versus short term uh i believe that there's a lot that could be done in the sport there already has been really uh explosive and impressive growth and there's a lot more potential especially with technology but you heard it from tony only if um we have the right i guess outlook and attitude and um if we choose to work with each other and look to see how we could team up and collaborate and see how one plus one could equal more than two then we could potentially grow the the entire pie so really the theme for 2014 is positivity I believe that we're moving in the right direction. There's more and more exciting things going on. I'm definitely more excited than ever before. And, um, you know, it was really a pleasure to, uh, to sit in for Allison for, Mil- uh, for American Billiard Radio. This is Jerry T. from NYCGrind.com saying good night. Thank you very much. And uh, see you soon.